studying this letter um, written to these Christians nearly 2,000 years ago by this man named Paul and uh, to this ancient city of Ephesus, to the Christians and the churches that met uh, there. And, and we've just kind of been working our way through this book and this letter. We're going to keep doing that this morning, um, just working our way through Ephesians 4. You guys doing well this morning? Good. I'm glad to be here with you. Let's, uh, I want to read our text. I know we typically start out praying, but we're doing something a little bit different this morning. And uh, I want us just to hear the word of the Lord together. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 25, 816, if you're using one of our Bibles. This is what Paul writes. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Go down to verse 3, Ephesians 5. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. That's kind of a heavy text for a, a beautiful day. You kind of want it to be raining and uh, to be in a bad mood when you read texts like this. But um, no, I'm, I'm excited about us working through this. And so I want to kind of start this way. You know, what, what you've been told about God, um, what you believe to be true about God, what you've experienced about God, um, all these things shape the way that we read Scripture. In particular, the passage that we're going to be in today. So you think about this. Some of you, you come in here this morning and... and um, and honestly, if, if, if you be honest with yourself, you, you, when you think about God, you think about what it means to walk with him, you, th- you think that God is, is out to just destroy your life. That when you think about God, you, you go, man, God doesn't want me to enjoy life. He doesn't want me to have fun. There's nothing about God that cares about me um, experiencing the fullness of life with him. When you think about Christianity, you think about a list of, of rules a list of do's and don'ts and all the things that, that Christians say that you're supposed to do are things that you don't enjoy doing. And all the things that, that Christians shape their lives by that they're not supposed to be doing, those are the things that you enjoy doing. And so if you're honest, you come into this place and you go, man, Christianity and God, is just this cosmic killjoy. Others of you come in this place this morning. And maybe you've grown up in some religious circles. Maybe you, your parents were Christians. Maybe you went to a Christian school or maybe you would even claim to be a Christian yourself. But when you think about God, all you can think about is a judge. 
that you think about God as this being that enjoys standing up in the courtroom and looking at you and taking his gavel and slamming on the table and saying, you're guilty, now get out of here. You might not say it like that, but your heart and your mind, you you think that, that God expects perfection. And you just haven't been able to live up to that as much as you want to. And so you'll read the Bible and you'll try really hard to to bring those things into your life. But a few days later, you find yourself stumbling and then you find yourself in this pattern of fear and worry because you let God down again. And I've been there. Others of you come into this place and and you read these things and, and you go, those aren't that big of a deal. Randy, you shouldn't even read that this morning. Like, God is gracious, the battle's already done. We don't have to really think about sin and, and these parts of our lives too much. This week, I learned something. I think that was just um, very helpful as I'm trying to walk with God as one of his followers. So Courtney, my wife, and kids come up to the office to have lunch with me on Wednesday afternoon. And we get in any lunch, and they're walking back to the car, and I walk out um, with them to help her um, get everyone loaded up. And and my son Jones, he's almost three years old, and that he walks through the front door and he's out in the parking lot and, and you know, he just starts taking off. And here's what hits me, that, that my little man is not thinking about the possibility that a car is coming, that could be coming around the corner. And if you've ever been to our office, you know, there's this, this asphalt um, kind of hill where we park and um, in the hill, there are all kinds of potholes and there's loose gravel. And, and I, I know that Jones is not aware of any of those things, that he is just this little kid that is oblivious to all these things that are going on around him. And so he just takes off running and Courtney and I are like, Jones, stop. Like, don't run, bud, wait up. And so he takes off running and he slows down. He didn't die, by the way. He's here this morning, if you're wondering. <laughs> like, um, get around the corner and he sees this hill. <laughs> And his eyes are big. And he takes off running. And we're like, Jones, stop. Quit running. And he starts picking up speed. <laughs> Jones, stop. And he keeps running. And he trips. And he goes airborne. And the next thing we know, he's laying on his all fours, just crying, looking back at us. And I'm looking at him from up the hill. And I'm going, I told you not to do that. But if you just would have listened to me, your hands wouldn't be scraped up, your knees wouldn't be bloody. If you just would have listened to me, and I'm saying that, I'm not saying this, but I'm just frustrated. Like, I'm, I'm, my arms are like this, and I'm just going, why won't he just listen to me? Thank goodness for Courtney. She walks over to him, picks him up, kisses him, hugs him, puts him in the car, takes care of his bloody knee. And I was just thinking about that, that I think we gave Jones a pretty good picture of, of God on Wednesday morning. God loves us. He loves us so much, all of us. If you're here, if you're breathing, he loves you. And because he does, because he so loves us, he tells us not to do certain things. And often we do them anyway, because we're human beings. And God both comforts us and he cares for our wounds when we disobey, when we fall. But I'm also convinced that God expects us to learn from our disobedience 
to listen to him going forward. I think it's important to, to mention that, that Paul is writing to a group of Christians here. He knows that, that they were and that we are as Christians continually wrestling with struggles and temptations, that, that none of us who are here, and if you are, I want to meet you and shake your hand and spend every day of my life with you, that, that all of us that are here this morning, we keep stumbling, we keep falling, that none of us have arrived yet. Paul, the man who was writing this, understood that Christianity was this ongoing process of refinement, of letting go of old ways of living. I graduated from college back in 2008, and a week later, I got married. One Saturday, I graduated. The next Saturday, I'm living with an amazing bride. It was interesting, though, moving from the dorm. I'd lived in the dorm all four years to moving in with a girl. And I remember my, my room was on the first floor, and out back the dorm where I lived, there was this huge dumpster, and I literally remember cleaning out my dorm room and basically just throwing everything in the dumpster. Like, uh, I don't want, she's not going to want this recliner. <laughs> Throw it away. <laughs> I don't need these bed sheets. This is a twin bed. Throw them away. <laughs> I don't need this shower caddy. I'm going to have a, ca- a shower that I don't have to walk to with my Crocs on anymore, right? Like, I, throw that away. Throw my pillow away. I kid you not. I threw my pillow away. When we're coming back from the honeymoon and we walk into our apartment and go into bed and Court's like, hey, where's your pillow? And I'm like, I threw in the dumpster. And she's like, what are you going to sleep on? I'm like, we just spent all this money on this new bedding. We have like 10 pillows. And she said, no, those are decorative pillows. And <laughs> your sweaty head is not going to sleep on those. And, and I say that because, you know, when we, we start following Jesus, we don't let go of all of our sinful behaviors and ways instantly. Like, you don't get baptized, you don't profess faith in Jesus and then instantly just throw all the, your sin and your garbage and your patterns and your habits in the metaphorical dumpster. No, the reality is that when we start following Jesus, we might let go of some things. But I realize that following Jesus is much more this process of refinement. Whereas we walk with him, he shows us things that we are doing that are both hurtful to us and displeasing to him. And he does it with all of us. And he does it for the rest of our lives. That no one who is here this morning is exempt from this. You haven't arrived. You haven't figured it out. You haven't achieved perfection yet. And as we follow Jesus, he so tenderly, so compassionately, so lovingly helps us see things that we're doing that are keeping us from the full life that he intends for us. And so we're looking at this passage this morning. Why? Because God so loves us. Ignorance is not bliss, that there are things that we're doing that are in our lives that are are separating us from life with God. And because he loves us too much to let us just keep going in those sinful ways, he confronts us. We're reading this because Paul loved us, because he was not writing to a group of Christians and churches that he cared nothing about. He was writing to people that he cared deeply for them, really becoming like Christ. We're teaching this this morning because I love you, because I want us to become like Christ. And it would be so easy for us to skip over the hard words in Scripture. But I'm convinced that the hard words are the things that truly shape us. 
And so we're going to read through this passage of Scripture this morning a little differently. And so a lot of weeks, whoever's teaching, Andrew or Douglas, whoever's teaching, will kind of walk through it verse by verse and unpack it and go, hey, this is what this means. And, you know, there are a lot of ways to teach the Scriptures. And this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. So we're going to pray, and I'm going to just ask that, that God would, would help us see some of these things that are in our lives that we just need to throw in the metaphorical dumpster. Things that because we're stepping and we have stepped into this new life with Christ, we no longer have need for. Maybe we've been hanging on to them. So I want you to, I want to say this. Um, as I'm reading through this, as we're praying, as, as you're letting the Lord just search your heart, don't think about someone else. Because I'm a, just a sinful, terrible human being. So often I'll be reading through this and I'll think about other people. And you've done it too, don't judge me. And, and this morning, I, I want you to, to let this just be between the Lord and you. Don't think about others. So this week and next week, we're going to work our way through Ephesians 4 and 5. And, and this week is, is all about the letting go. It's all about the taking off. It's all about the shedding. And then next week is all about the putting on. It's all about the being clothed in Christ's likeness. Before we can really be clothed in Christ, we have to let go of some of our old ways. And so I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray that God, through the Holy Spirit that dwells in all of you who believe, have given your life to him, that he would help us not be defensive, that he would help us to be receptive to his words. And so often when God will start revealing sin in my life for places that I'm missing, and my first inclination is to put up my guns, and I'm going to pray that God would just allow us to put everything down and not fight so that he can expose things that are hurting us displeasing to him. And so I want to pray for us. I invite you just to hold your hands out in front of you if you feel comfortable doing this. Father God, we love you so much. We come here in so many different places and that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Father, this morning I ask that, that your word that has been cutting away and, and shaping your men and your women all throughout the years into more Christ-likeness, that you would do that today. God, I pray that, um, that, it, that the hurt of, you know, so often when you just start peeling back the curtains and we just let you have our real heart and let you pierce into our lives, it just hurts to admit places that we've failed And God, don't allow us to just see the hurt in it. Help us to see that you're cutting away things that don't belong. And so, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts? Would you make us a holy people? Would you speak to us? Would you let the enemy be far away? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So listen to these words. Let them be to you, to me. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. And so I want to just point out a few things from this passage. I really just want to let God um, speak and move and and shape whatever he wants to inside of us. And so the the first thing I just want to point out is that Paul writes this interesting phrase. He says, do not give the devil a foothold. You know, we live in such a rational society. I must see it to believe it, right? Right? Unless I can experience it, it doesn't exist. And, and the powers of darkness and Satan himself have been capitalizing on this ever since this age of reason has come in. Hear me out on this. When we are convinced that nothing exists beyond what we can see and explain, when we fall into sin, when we stumble, because we all do, if we fail to acknowledge that the enemy is involved, we miss a key part of the spiritual journey. Here's what I mean. When we lie, when we slander, when we are greedy, we are doing the very things that scriptures describe Satan doing. Jesus said of Satan himself in John chapter eight, when he speaks, he speaks his native tongue for he is a liar. He's a father of lies. All throughout scripture from the garden of Eden, where Satan twisted the words of God to passages like 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter says he is like a roaring lion going around looking for those that he can devour, to passages like 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where it says that he masquerades as an angel of light. And the picture we get all throughout Scripture is that Satan, the very real enemy of God, our very real enemy, he lies. And he deceives And he is full of pride. He is full of greed and arrogance. He wants to be God instead of wanting to serve God. And one day the scriptures make it abundantly clear that he will be most severely punished for all the lies and all the deceit. And God is clear that when we align our lives in character and actions with the enemy. So hear me out. I'm not talking about stumbling because each of us stumbles. None of us have a chance if he's talking about perfection, if he's talking about never hitting these every single moment, every single day. No, I think what Paul is doing is he's talking about a a life's disposition. He's talking about a heart's position towards God, that when we live like this, with our hearts postured and our lives postured against God, Paul is saying, you've got to understand what is really happening, that you have no share in life eternal with God. We don't like to talk about that, right? That's not a fun thing to say. 
to acknowledge, to talk about on a Sunday morning. The part of what Paul is helping us do is understand the spirituality that, that is existing all around us, whether we're choosing to acknowledge it or not, that when we actively live into these things, when we pursue and we put on, when we hear words like this and we say to God, no, thank you, I'm gonna live my life however I wanna live, regardless of what you say or what you think. What we're actually doing is, is giving the enemy of God a foothold on our life. We're giving him a handle. Paul says this, another thing I want to point out. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you want to know what would grieve me as a dad? If my son Jones, if my two little girls, Finley and Merritt, if, if they never learn to trust me, if they don't believe that I'm trustworthy, it will grieve me greatly. If for the 18 years that I get with Merritt under a house, and the next 13 years that I get with Finley if she's in our house, it will grieve me greatly if they never learn to trust me, if they never learn to trust Courtney and do what we say. Because we love our children, we will forever tell them to not run down the asphalt hill because we know what happens when you run down the asphalt hill. We will forever instruct them in ways that will lead to their life and to their, whole, and to their wholeness, but only they can decide if they will listen to us. We can't make that choice for them. And guys, the Holy Spirit is amazing. God lives in us and he speaks to us. And if Jesus speaks of the enemy being the one who lies and deceives, he talks about the Holy Spirit being the complete opposite, the one who exists to guide us into all truth. He says this in, in John chapter 16. That part of the work of God inside of us, inside of every believer is that he helps us to discern and he helps us to live into and he helps us to walk in light of the truth of who God is and what God has done for us. He helps us to, to wade through the garbage that the enemy speaks and to accept the things that God has spoken. And so these are some of the things that the Holy Spirit has spoken into my life. Some of you come here and you go, man, what, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? The Holy Spirit is a presence of God that lives in the sight of every believer to help us, to shape us, to strengthen us. The Holy Spirit has said things like this to me in my journey. Hey, Brandon, you told a lie. You lied to your wife. Or you lied to the church. You lied to your, your team. You lied to the staff. You've got to confess. You can't hide He said things like this to me. The Holy Spirit has said things like, hey, you're, you're going to the pool, you're going to the beach where there are going to be people of the opposite sex in swimsuits. So Brandon, you got to guard your heart. You have to guard your eyes. You know what happens when you let down your guard. But the Holy Spirit will say things like, hey, Brandon, you're, you're, you're not being generous. You're being tight-fisted. You're, you're being greedy. You're only thinking about yourself. You're not caring about what others need, what they want. And I share some of these things just to illuminate sometimes the hard words that the Holy Spirit will speak into our lives that help us shed the people that we were. But we have to decide if we'll listen. 
as the Holy Spirit speaks, we have to decide. You know, I love there are several grow classes right now. Deb's leading one. I don't see Deb this morning. I know that, that Mary and Dale and a few others are leading grow classes on, on how to listen to, to God, how to listen to the Holy Spirit. If you're curious, if you're interested, you can go online. You can sign up for those. It's not too late to join. Part of what I was aware of as I was preparing for this morning is that, is that many of you, you're, you're followers of Jesus. And the only thing that you've been able to think about this morning is, is chapter 5, verse 5, where, where Paul says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance. And, and, and you're sitting there, and you're just so overwhelmed with, man, that is exactly who I am. And you're feeling condemned. You haven't been able to hear a word that I've said because you've just been thinking through this. And I just want to speak to you if, that's, if, if that is you this morning. And I want to encourage you. Whenever there is conviction over sin in your heart, whenever there is, is not callousness or casually dealing with sin, the Holy Spirit of God is working in your life. When there is a, dis, a distancing from sin, a, a desire and a willingness to part ways with old patterns and old thoughts and old ways of living, the Holy Spirit is not grieved. The Holy Spirit is rejoicing. And I want to encourage you, if you're, you come here this morning and you're so well aware of your, the places that you're stumbling and falling, I want you to be aware of the, the fact that you've already been forgiven. That he's already given you new mercy for this moment, for this mountain that you're currently climbing. And I want to encourage you to not stay in the condemnation. Understand that as a good parent, God just wants us to learn. He just wants us to learn, so we'll quit scraping our knees. If you come here today and you're not convinced that God is good, if you come here today and you're not convinced that he actually wants your joy, if you come here today and you're set on continuing to live life how you want to live, regardless of what God wants or what God says, I pray that God would wake you up to see things as they really are. You're not exempt from the enemy's attacks just because you're not a follower of Jesus. The enemy lies, he deceives. This morning, wake up in the, early in the morning and I just start hearing the voice of the enemy. Brandon, your, your teaching this morning is garbage. <laughs> and you should have done this and you shouldn't have tried something different. It's too late now. <laughs> and Brandon, people are leaving marathon right and left and it's because you're a terrible leader. And you only think about yourself. You know the way that the enemy works. Maybe you don't. The enemy will prey on our insecurities. He will try to convince us of untruths. And the Holy Spirit is the exact opposite. The enemy wants to convince us that there's no hope, that there's no life, that there's no purpose, there's no joy. And the Holy Spirit, when he speaks into our lives, hey, I don't want you sleeping around with your boyfriend. I don't want you slandering other people. I don't want you being greedy. And the voice of, of God always leads us to lives that are more full and more whole that lead to the, bit of the, the, the edification of the body of Christ. 
And the voice of Satan always leads us to isolation, to shame. And if you come here this morning, you're not convinced that, that God is good, that he's out for your joy. I, I keep praying, and I'm going to keep praying that, that you would wake up. That you would see both the destructive work of the enemy and that you would see the, the positive and encouraging work of God. The reality is that some of you come here this morning, and as I read through this, this list, you might not have convic- been convicted over any of these things right now because you really are walking in holiness. My goal is not to, to make you conjure up some feeling. No, my hope is that, to, that, that you would be so completely tethered to Jesus, you'd be so in tune with his spirit that is in you that when you do trip, you'd just be so quick to repent. My hope for all of us this morning is that we would understand that Jesus is both Savior and Lord, that we would trust that he really has come to forgive us of all of our sin, of all these places that we stumble, we'll keep stumbling. And then we'll also understand, we'll also have hope that he is our Lord. That we would be quick to show that we're sorry to God when we fail both with our actions and with our words. That we would just be quick to confess when we've sinned. That we'd be quick to confess, God, you told me not to run down the hill, but I ran down it anyway, and I'm sorry that I don't trust you. And I want to trust you. But we don't just confess, we embrace this lifestyle of repentance, of of turning around, of doing things differently, so that the next time when faced with an opportunity to slander someone, next time you're given an opportunity at work or with your friend group to to just bash someone that's not there, to, to degrade their character, the next time you're alone with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, The next time you're past someone in need, that we wouldn't be quick to, to indulge, we wouldn't be quick to, to pass up on the opportunities of God, that we would trust Him. We'd learn that He's trustworthy. And so we're going to take communion here in just a minute. And I invite you, as we take communion, I invite you to get into groups of two or three people that you feel comfortable sharing with, and so you can take communion by yourself. But there's something that really special that happens when we open up our lives and let other people in. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, as we take communion, we do this every week. We eat a piece of bread and we drink a cup of juice, and we do this to be reminded that Jesus has died for us, that his blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you into the conversation with us. I invite you into a group, and I just invite you to share why you came today. Did somebody invite you or think God is stirring something in your heart? Just, I invite you to share as we take communion. If you are a follower of Jesus, if the Holy Spirit was showing you something in your life that you need to let go of, a, a stronghold that the enemy has in your life, I encourage you, if you feel comfortable, to share that, that the enemy loses his foothold when we bring things into the light. And maybe nothing was standing out to you. Maybe you weren't feeling conviction. I invite you too to share in our time of communion. Maybe you'll share one of these ways that the enemy tends to come after you, that you would pray that God would give you an alertness the next time the enemy comes. So let me pray, and then we'll take communion. God, it's just kind of a heavy text. 
And Father, I pray that for the things that we are doing, God, right now, that are just keeping us from the abundant life that you have for us, would you both show us and would you give us the desire to let those things go? Father, I pray that you would bind the enemy, that if you bring things into the light, that you would completely just bring restoration and forgiveness and healing things that, that we've been concealing, that have been eating away at us. God, let them come into the light and let your goodness and your spirit just be strong. God, for those who don't just share, but those who listen, would you just give us your, your eyes and your ears? Jesus, would you show us how to look people in the eyes and to not judge and to not condemn, but to be, to be reminded that we also need to be forgiven. And I pray that when we see forgiveness, when we see compassion, when we see love in each other's eyes, that we're convinced, God, that you do love us and you forgive us as well. The Holy Spirit, would you come, would you move, would you have your way in this body, in this family. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.